Hi, I'm Kristen Dewan of the Arab Gulf States Institute. And I'm Elizabeth Kendall of Oxford University's Pembroke College. Kristen and I have both been following very closely the recent serious flare-up of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And although many eyes have been on what's happening between Hamas and Israel, actually particularly worrying are the clashes and riots now happening inside Israel. This may look like something that's erupted overnight, um, but actually many analysts have seen this building up for years. So, Christine, how do you think this has happened? How's it been allowed to happen? Yeah, Liz, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, this latest flare up has a number of elements to it. Um, there's kind of the ongoing Israeli sort of settler expansionism in Jerusalem, the military engagements between Israel and Hamas. But uh, I think this new element of these intercommunal riots and strife inside of Israel have to be, in some ways, the the most concerning element. Um, and, uh, you know, especially for Israel, if you think about going forward um, for sort of um, domestic stability, even beyond these other conflicts. Um, and I, I've been thinking a lot about this this global period that we're living through in which, you know, it's really characterized by this upsurge in, in nationalism and uh, in some ways a diminishing of, of more multilateral institutions. You think about like the authority of the UN and even of, of human rights bodies and uh, human rights organizations. And I've been thinking that's really something um, disastrous for, for the Palestinians and their standing and ability to kind of have their issue pressed ahead. But I, I think today when we look at this, we can see that it's just as disturbing for Israel as, um, you know, you've seen the rise of, of a much stronger and, and forceful sort of ethno-nationalism within the state there. Um, the rise of a lot of, of hard right groups that um, you know are now being brought uh, even more uh, frequently in, into government and, and, and pushing their own policies, and, and that's now you know endangering basically civil peace uh, within their own cities. Yeah, uh, I I guess that countries in the region must be following this with great concern and horror. And I know you've been you've been following some of those regional reactions among the Gulf states. Have they all come out pretty similarly with statements condemning the violence and showing solidarity with Palestinians? Presumably there are lots of flavours of response. Could you talk us through those? Maybe there's a difference between those countries like UAE and Bahrain who've signed the Abraham Accords and those who haven't. Yeah, you're right. I, I've been looking at the, the Gulf state reaction to this flare-up um, and, and it is kind of the most interesting thing is that this is the first time that we've had this conflict um, after we've seen these two states, um, the UAE and, and Bahrain, you know, basically normalize their relations and, and establish diplomatic relations and stronger ties with Israel on this formal level. Um, but we have seen that, that regardless of that, all of the states, all of the GC states put out statements um, basically condemning the storming of the Al-Aqsa Al Mosque um, and as well as the, the evictions in Sheikh Jarrah that, that sort of set off this whole thing. Um, and, and that includes, you know, the UAE and Bahrain. Um, I think a, another interesting element of it, though, is that uh, uh, even though, you know, those two states uh, presumably, uh, or at least what, what they said, that they, they, you know, got into these relations to, to try to help mediate the, the situation 
you know, they haven't really much been able to play any sort of role in that regard, you know, and we've seen instead turning towards the more traditional players that have deeper ties and, and even military ties. We're looking at Egypt and Jordan, you know, when the U.S. is now looking to try to tamp down things, they're going back to those states. Um, mm. So I think, you know, if we're, if we're looking um, at, at these different states and, and we're now finding it really difficult to see how to, to end this conflict, um, so I'm wondering, I know, um, Liz, that you've been looking at, at some of the other players that, that can uh, benefit from these sorts of conflicts. Um, can you tell us a bit about what uh, Al-Qaeda has been saying? Well, yes, absolutely right. The groups like Al-Qaeda feed off this kind of anger that has been generated in Palestine. And if there's a feeling that Arab states are not fighting their corner, it's quite possible that the appeal of militant jihad groups will increase. They've certainly been quick off the mark. Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula very smartly produced a three-page statement calling for a full-blown intifada. That was back on the 8th of May. Um, and they also weren't just talking about targeting uh, Israelis inside Israel, but also targeting Jews and Jewish interests and embassies worldwide. Al-Qaeda Central also released a new issue of a bulletin that had been dormant for six months and, again, trying to channel anger into global jihad. And both of those publications were not mincing their words about encouraging acts of martyrdom and included handy reminders of the rewards that are waiting for martyrs in paradise. So the point they make, death for freedom is better than a life of humiliation, is probably going to resonate. Anyway, thanks for speaking today and let's hope things improve. Let's hope so. Thanks.